0: Welcome to the API experience 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 Turn on tune in drop the mic citizens of the API world Welcome to this API experience, where you will go on a journey into the... I don't know, Mike. I don't know if this is working for me. I, I don't know. We're going to have to All work right. on it. I'm, okay. I'm not sure I feel it yet, but okay. I like where you were headed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just... <laughs> I don't know. I, I, let, let me try that again. All right. All right. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of the API Experience podcast. My name is Matt McClarty. I'm the CTO of Boomi, and just as happy as could be to be here. And I'm especially happy because I'm joined by my good friend. And I'm I, I'm feeling a little bit of deja vu here, but Mr. Mike Amundsen, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing fine. I it's I also have a little deja vu. I'm sitting in the same uh, studio, looking at the same microphone, but. We're talking yeah. a little bit different. We'll have to see how this works out. Well, I it's great to great to talk with you.
0: Well, that mic is not unplugged, so it's uh it's, huh? it's That's right. It's plugged That's in. That's exactly okay. right. No, it's exactly uh, right. It, this is a uh, something that we've been uh looking forward to for a while talking about. Um, you know, we're 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 definitely with this podcast, we uh have covered a lot of ground in just, you know, what we're seeing in the API industry, anything related to APIs. We we wanna to continue to educate people, including ourselves, right, yeah, on just absolutely. what's what's going on out there, whether it's how companies are using APIs and um, you know, the business of APIs, technology developments. There's there's quite a bit of excitement and, and on this episode, our inaugural episode, we'll definitely be be talking about some of the trends that we're seeing. But, you know, Mike, for you, you know, how what what do you want to Personally, get out of the podcast, and what do you hope our listeners can get out of the podcast? Well, you know th- that that same thing about education and and and
1: learning and exposure. I think one one of the things that I've enjoyed so much um, over the past several years is meeting new people, discovering new things, having that light bulb moment. Almost every mm-hmm. episode for me gives. Gives me that light bulb moment, a new way to think about things, a new way to see things. So now, you know, with this with this round, we really are emphasizing this notion of experience, right? What have people experienced? What is it like to be in the API space? What are other people's experiences, and how can our listeners uh, tap into those experiences from other people? How can we share those, and how can we learn from the ones that uh, that we're we're hearing from other people as well?
0: Yeah, definitely what's in a name right so the the <laughs> api experience uh we're you know we're playing a little bit with the word we we have some experience' we're ex- experience is a nice way of saying you know we're <laughs> veterans uh, and and as you said uh, sharing experiences and and one thing that we're you know looking forward to as well is uh just playing a little bit with the format so and, and as we get deeper into the the api experience series we we hope to bring you some new uh Audio experiences as we experiment with some different show formats. So today's topic is a bunch of topics because um, you know as the as the first episode of this first season of the API experience, um, we want to kind of survey the landscape. Right? We we've talked about right. what what uh, what some of the trends are that we're seeing that are either new or maybe not so new. Um, some of them are very hot we'll we'll get into that some of them are ones we we wish would maybe be addressed more you know and uh and and some of them I would I would say are even dare I say it inspiring so inspiring yeah I'm gonna I'll, I'll save the what those trends are for when we get into them but I will I will throw one on the table right off the bat which is something that we probably just want almost want to get it out of the way. Right? <laughs> which okay. is um API trend number 1 APIs back to the future. So <laughs> this is this is uh something that we we've seen as as experienced members of the API community where it just it feels like um you know as as much as uh as much as the there's newness and new technologies and so on it's almost like we we keep trying to solve the same problems over and over again, um, you and I have both used that uh, William Gibson quote quite a bit. Uh, the The future is here; it's just not evenly distributed. I think it's yeah. fair to say that the past is also here, and uh, <laughs> maybe it's actually more evenly distributed. I don't, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, i I think
1: that's I think that's exactly right. Trapped by the past, haunted by the past, driven by the past. I think I think all those things apply. Uh, as we were, you know, as we were talking in preparation for this episode, I definitely feel this a lot. One of the the lines I, I often use is, um, "Technology changes over time, but the problems don't." Mm-hmm. We are still trying to uh, basically solve the same set of problems to make things better, uh, make information easier to find, easier to uh, get to the right person at the right time in the right format and place and uh that's kind of always what it's been like all the way back to the to the history of modern history of computers in the 40s 50s and 60s all the way back to the notion of uh you know newsprint and gutenberg and everything we're always trying to mm-hmm. disseminate information in in an effective way so i think as long as we keep that in mind i think that's good but you're right i i think every once in a while this this is where i have to uh kind of tamp down my built-in cynic right somebody says oh we've got a new format or a new protocol or a new something 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 Mm -hmm. and it's gonna you know it's gonna solve the world and i'm always i find myself you know fighting back that curmudgeon that says yeah back in the day blah (laughs) blah blah but um back to the future also means we get a chance to look back to pay attention to learn again uh what our you know predecessors, what people in this space were struggling with now, you know, more than half a century ago. And a lot of times
0: that's very instructive and it, to me sometimes very encouraging. I completely agree. I think some of those you were talking about aha moments that we've had with some of our mm-hmm. podcast guests in the past, but I have those aha moments looking back through history as well. You know, I've I've talked a lot about some of these historical great courses series I've been watching. And, yeah, and you know, we can watch something on the history of the industrial revolution, or even watch something on the you know, depths of uh, psychology. There's always these, um, you know, if you use your lateral thinking, these aha moments where you can see something that happened in a different context and, and it, it brings clarity to whatever problem you're struggling with now. And I, I agree as well. Like, I think that, it's, we're not being dismissive here, right? When new things no. come along, they they come along for a reason. Uh, yep. I think it's usually just the it's the balancing out um, in all the in all the euphoria and enthusiasm about the new thing and and the part of the problem it solves that the old solution maybe didn't solve. I think there's just it's always that missing of the unintended consequences or missing about okay <laughs> we might solve that piece, but what new problems does it does it uh, cause and i think um you know we can we can pick on one of the maybe one of the things that we've picked on in the past which is i know i have uh graphql which is mm. in, interestingly enough right we're starting to see after and i and i i think the reason i pick on graphql is just because of the way it was introduced to the market as being you know almost sticking the thumb on the nose and saying yeah you know this is so much better than everything that came before there was a little mm. bit of a of an arrogance about the way i felt uh, graphql came to the market but we're now starting to see the inevitable trough of disillusionment i think there was a blog recently talking about um you know that that that, that got quite popular talking about the 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 missing the promise of graphql but you know you can kind of see these things so i think it's not to, to be dismissive of the new stuff but whenever we see this new stuff to say what are we? What are we throwing away by by abandoning the method that was the standard and, and moving on? Um, you know, I was thinking this morning randomly about how I, I think that it, maybe it's just in the DNA or the the way that developers and people in our industry are wired, right? But if you look at something like, okay, there's most of the countries in the world, people drive on the right side of the road. Uh, some mm-hmm. countries people drive on the left side of the road and hey maybe we should just standardize across the board might be one way of thinking of the problem I feel like in the tech industry the techies might be like hey have we tried driving in the center of the road you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know it's like oh you, you know you actually get room more room on both sides of the road it's great you know they might miss <laughs> the potential dangers there so I you know I'm just being a bit cheeky there but I but I think that um and th- I think that's why it's important to have that historical perspective, right? To just say, okay, the new thing comes along. Have we seen it before? What uh what problems? Uh, even even what problems are we trying to solve, right? And and what problems yeah. might we yeah. might we reintroduce with new yeah. h- new ways of doing things.
1: Yeah, that that's why I tend to to couch this whole back to the future thing as Technology changes, but problems don't. We we have kind of classically the same kinds of problems, but, you know, some technologies make it so much easier to solve a problem that it's way, way mm-hmm. better. Um, other times, the, the technology is solving sort of a, a side issue or it's solving a different problem, and it can make You know something else worse. You know GraphQL makes security more challenging, but Mm -hmm. it makes the idea of of having to spend a lot of time and effort creating uh, server side resource delivery. You know it really really solves that problem really really well. So you you, like you say, you know what is what is the real question here? And I think this also has this uh, this feel of of fashion, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, This notion that. Different cycles run at different times and fashion runs pretty quickly, but uh, the problem space or, you know, uh, other parts of society run relatively slowly and nature runs even, even slower. So, so there's, you know, Stuart Brand has this notion of this di- different speeds uh, of the way things change. So yeah, the GraphQL uh, may move the, the idea of of some kind of front end moves a little bit faster. That's totally fine. Um, a lot of times it's uh it's sort of like standing on the corner to me. It's standing on the corner of a you know a busy traffic area. I'll just wait around. It's going to change. It, it'll <laughs> yeah. be fine in a minute. Uh, an, another one, uh, since we're on the sort of the back to the future trend space, is uh, cloud computing, right? Yeah. Cloud computing was introduced with a lot of fanfare. There were a lot of curmudgeons that said, no, this is not going to work. Of course, it works great. Now we're running into the next cycle of people saying, you know what? It turns out expense-wise and other you know other things being what they are it's a it's a much better to tune this particular delivery platform or this particular service uh, without uh lambda functions or without um mm-hmm. you know services in between or a cloud services model we're just actually going to do this direct some organizations have even brought their hosting back on prem so um those are those seem like the same kinds of you know cycles that we'll see and uh, as long as we're getting better at solving problems rather than getting stuck, not solving the important ones. I think it's fine. I think it's great.
0: No, that's, and that's great. I think you will definitely be uh, having some episodes exploring yeah. some of these in more detail, but on that notion of fashion, there is nothing more fashionable in the technology world right now than uh GPT chat, GPT, large language models, and the whole AI yeah. space right so it's it's unavoidable i mean i'm i'm actually quite excited to talk about that that subject yeah. on our episodes but there's no way to avoid it i guess i guess the question <laughs> is that we have to make the case right we're being an api themed podcast here like what do you, what is the intersection of ai and apis other than two of the letters in in the acronym <laughs> that's
1: right it's only missing one letter it's almost yeah. it's almost there ai just needs a little more work well, I, you know, you're exactly right. It's all over the place. This latest round, this latest iteration of, of completion, of statistical completion is really what it really is, right? Mm-hmm. Peter Norvig's one-page spell check program launched Google into this sort of statistical completion space in 2007. We've got code mm-hmm. complete for code based on tree models email completions have been around for a couple of years mm-hmm. now open ai like what was it 2020 i think is when gpt3 was released mm-hmm. is really just within the last you know 6 months less than a year really taken everything by storm almost every conference uh, agenda i look at has some ai in it which i think is i think is great um mm-hmm. and Most like open API, open AI, the the biggest one has an API itself. And actually there are a few features in the API that are not in the user interface, which I find kind of interesting as well. So it's definitely going to affect a lot of us. And I think just like everything else, uh, we need to be enter with a little bit of skepticism and a little bit of curiosity mixed in. With a lot of diligence, and I think we're going to find some amazing opportunities in this space as long as we don't start running around with scissors or cut ourselves with a with a carving knife along the way
0: <laughs> well and and we you know we talked back to the future we're talking about the same trying to solve the same problems over and over again, but I think definitely there's uh there's enough magnitude and innovation in the in, in invention in the in the AI space to say there's a new order of business problems that could be solved. But I think that is step one, right? Like what are the business problems that you really want to solve? I would say practically speaking from a business standpoint, this is one where I do think APIs will factor in heavily is that you're really not going to, probably step one for leveraging AI technologies will be, just in in helping your business do what it does even better, right? Like uh, right, whether it's through customer experience or automation or things like this or personalization, and I think in that regard, like if you if you you mentioned the Open AI um, API for for Chat GPT, like there's that's pretty much the way m- machine learning models or any AI models are delivered. They're delivered as APIs, and certainly have to be delivered by API if they're going to be woven into the, the current user experience for most organizations.
1: Yeah, ex- exactly. And, and that means thinking about, like, as you were saying, well, where does this fit? Like, wh- how can I improve customer experience? How can I improve end-user experience? How can I add more safety, can I eliminate bottlenecks? All the things that we do for every business, right? And mm-hmm. and APIs have been actually doing very well in the last couple of years in this sort of automation space, uh, which is really kind of, to me, what OpenAI is really trying to do. It's automating some more things. It's generating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we generate a lot of code. We have a lot of code generator tools that are, you know, decades uh, in the making. Uh, we've got a lot of history behind that. We still do a lot of that we generate a lot of markup. Um, so generating the text seems to be a, a logical next step. We just have to be really careful about, you know, is it generating material that's really, uh, providing value, uh, or is it, uh, getting in the way? Mm -hmm. Uh, last thing I want to do is introduce anything that gets be between my aims or my company's aims and my customer's needs. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to make sure the customer gets what they need when they need it, you know how they need it, uh, and I'm happy to automate what I can, but I don't want to automate it to the point where the customer doesn't uh, have a connection with me anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's part one of the things I, I think a lot about in this AI space is Where does the automation go? Where Where can we optimize? Where is the drudgery? Where is the manual labor that we've you know come to replace? Uh, use machines to replace? Where can we augment the human intellect to uh, to use Engelbart's uh, yeah. whole idea, right? Where can where can we step up and improve the experience overall?
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely. There's a whole bunch of uh, ethical, potential ethical issues that open up, <laughs> but even from a practical standpoint, um, it's always good when you can align what's good for society with what's good for business but i i truly yep. do believe that i believe that um if you're if you are looking to utilize ai in your company's business and you should be thinking it from a human's perspective somewhere yep. from a from a, the customer's perspective from the product manager's perspective from the service agent's perspective you know i think it all it all folds into if you do what's right for the people then you will both Um, you know, help them out and you'll solve, you'll be using the technology in a responsible way.
1: Well, it, you know, it it reminds me of, gosh, I I think this is from the sixties or Um, seventies. I can't quite remember when, when it was, but IBM used to have a saying, which was uh, machines can't be held accountable. Therefore machines should not be making decisions. And I think this is part of the guardrail. This is kind of the ethical, space you're talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Let's use machines to solve difficult math problems, solve repetitive tasks uh, consistently, the same way we've been doing the DevOps for the last 15 years. These all make sense. Um, it's just, let's just, uh, let's not give them the keys to the bulldozer mm-hmm. and say, go fix that, by the way, and, and just hope that it works out. I think we just have to, you have to be diligent and we'll find lots of powerful uses.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think anyone worried about AI becoming sentient or self-aware, you know, Skynet Mm. becomes self-aware. This is Mm. not, this is, we're nowhere close to that scenario. All you have to do is look at the pictures of these autonomous cars just getting stuck in the the middle of the road. Yeah. At at an intersection when nobody knows whose turn it is next. Yeah.
1: Melanie Mitchell, who's written some amazing uh, books about uh, machine intelligence Works at the Santa Fe Institute, among other places, has a great. She made a great comment a couple of weeks ago. She's not worried about machine intelligence. She's way more worried about
0: machine stupidity. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I often will talk about you know the the com- competition between artificial intelligence and genuine stupidity. But yeah, there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good one too. That's oh, so, nice. so you mentioned a word guardrails though, though, just kind of bringing it back to the, to APIs. I think I think that. You know, and this, look, my bias is showing because there are certain areas where I'm always hopeful that things will happen, uh, things that should happen will happen. But I think that because of the popularity of a lot of these foundational models and the fact that they're going to be delivered via API, I think this could actually drive a lot more focus on the consumer side of the API equation. You know, in the API management space for a long time, the the overwhelming focus has been on so you want to build some apis and publish them mm-hmm. and get some consumers you know all the focus on the provider side when in fact you know the realization of value through apis happens through their consumption and i think that because so many more it's just a you know the the ratio of consumers to providers in the ai space is going to be so skewed towards consumers and because mm-hmm. there's such a focus on these ethical issues and and data privacy and security I think it could lead to a much more focus on some of the issues around consuming APIs and the management of the consumption of APIs that have up to this point been sort of given short shrift. Like, um, you know, when you're thinking about API gateways and, and you know, API mm-hmm. policies and so on, a lot of that you're thinking about the provider side. But in fact, there's a whole category of risk management that has to happen on the consumer side. Um, and and you, you can always go to the web for analogies, right? There's the, the most popular web proxies in the beginning were were forward proxies. That's why you know still I think yeah. we call web proxy is a forward proxy and a, a reverse proxy is a, a reverse proxy. But yeah, <laughs> I think that that's going to be something that will be you know just be uh, more of a requirement. And I think you know I think you might have had a another api related experience uh you know something that we always love to talk about as well related to the web and hypermedia regarding yeah as well
1: yeah yeah we were talking about this uh um, last week i i've been because i'm kind of the gravity well for hypermedia and hypermedia apis i don't know why that would be <laughs> blah 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 some books later <laughs> um, people have been mentioning to me They've been expressing more interest in hypermedia formats in creating experiences where uh, hypermedia is used, primarily because uh, the work of OpenAI and the other, you know, generative AI tooling has sort of reminded individuals, you know, you can create some autonomy, you can put in some some uh, decision making or some selection. Here and uh, using hypermedia formats now seems to be more reasonable. Doesn't seem to be such a pie in the sky or such a a peculiar uh, thing. So I've seen some some interests. Some some people talk to me about we're thinking about hypermedia formats. We're thinking about how AI or ChatGPT or Bard or or Sydney or whatever Mm -hmm. the case might be integrated there. So there may be another uh, sort of another example of of a leap here. Just as the generative AI interface. That Really, it's it's this UI that they created for generative AI, right? That I think really, really struck a chord with everyone. Um, if you can create other interfaces where machines almost get the, to do the same thing, where they get to ask questions and they get information back. Tell me about all the, the links and the forms in this page. Tell me about all the things I could possibly do right now. Using an AI tool, they can now solve problems. You can tell an AI tool to go Search a bunch of uh, shopping sites for some uh, clothing that I'm looking for in certain colors and styles and sizes and price ranges Mm -hmm. and bring back some choices for me to make and then complete the transaction for me. I think that sounds like a very reasonable uh, experience, and I think it's more reasonable today because of both AI and the use of hypermedia.
0: Yeah, and that and that ties back to a topic that's all that we always like to talk about as well around developer experience. I mean, it could oh. very drastically change the developer experience. And I think
1: Well, yeah. I, I think I think it already has, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we don't say it, but we call it prompt engineering. <laughs> You're programming <laughs> these chatbots, right? Yeah. Especially people have really gone on on the deep end on the chat GPT generative tooling. learning what the control phrases are, temperature and uh, uh, template and all these other things where you can really get behind uh, these tools, use a lot of metadata, the way people become kind of search gurus with uh, using uh, solar keywords in in, uh, Google. Mm -hmm. Now we've got people who are really programming these bots. And it tells you that's a whole nother set of opportunities, which we have all the technology for now. We just need to create interfaces and responses, interactions that are going to allow developers to have a whole new kind of experience in getting machines, computers to solve problems
0: for them. Yeah, completely. I think the 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 develop the 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 decades long struggle to de- deliver the perfect developer portal maybe completely changes. Right? <laughs> maybe it's not just three panels of specs and and test harnesses and so on, right? There's a whole other... Well, yeah, you notion. know,
1: uh, Ronnie Mitra and I had been working on this notion of um, uh, changing the thought about what a, what a API portal looks like. And mm-hmm. Ken Lane and uh, several other people had sort of created the Google model for an API portal. Just type in what you need and I'll tell you what APIs are here, mm-hmm. rather than the Yahoo model of this hierarchical catalog. Mm-hmm. Well, Both of those may be totally, totally blown away by a chat bot that knows so much about your organization's APIs and security and uh, onboarding processes that they could handle a lot of that for you. But it's just simply saying, look, I I need to find out what the, you know, what the daily sales rate is uh, at these locations around the world and could build something for you.
0: Yeah, completely. So that was... Just to just to you know, the the top ten list or this in this case the top five list there, the AI and yeah. APIs is is trend number two. For trend number three, I'm gonna put on my optimistic hat again because I think there's it's unquestionably there's more discussion, focus, and attention being paid to this topic, but it is age old and that's API security. I oh, think yeah. that uh that you know we've we've uh, for as long as there's been an api economy and there's been apis there's just been this pattern of breach after breach after breach and it seems like you know you just expect that people would say oh this is now time to really buckle down and secure our apis but for whatever reason just the the whole um just the scale i think of of delivery and and the the way the deception of apis of how you know people not don't necessarily think of what you know the the whole mission of apis being to open things up maybe runs counter to uh to the security mindset, but just so many of these patterns of uh well we you know you, you kind of come to find out that there was some data breach caused because there was an unsecured api and and a lot of the times the the result is people saying, well we we don't have. They start by saying we don't have an API. <laughs> okay, you, have a, you have a mobile app, right? Yeah, well, That's you have right. an no, API. No API. It's on the web, yeah. right? So so it's just this sort of lack of awareness. But I, you know, there's a lot of really uh, interesting innovation happening in the API security space. Again, tying back to AI, a lot of it's AI driven in terms of the sophistication of how you can identify threats and provide new mechanisms for defense in depth. But it's just. One, one of those things. Right, every year I wait for, um, for the world to kind of clue in, and uh, I, I see some signs. I am hoping that this is a sign. What, what, what do you think, Mike? Am I being overly optimistic here?
1: Um, my the cynic again. I the curmudgeon in me says yes. You are being overly optimistic. We'll keep we'll keep making this mistake over and over. But I, I share your, uh, desire. I share your wish or hope for optimism. I think there's so much we can still learn about um, surviving uh, secure attempts at at breaches. Mm -hmm. Um, We still are not really good at surviving the attempts, at getting smart enough to mount defense. And I think uh, AI technology can help us learn to better mount defenses, to, Mm -hmm. you know, realize somebody's at the back door trying trying to break in, send some people around the back. Uh, with properly, properly armed and see if we can't get rid of those people. So Mm -hmm. rather than try to build these impenetrable fortresses and then, um, put in back doors where people can walk in and out. We need to have a a better set of uh, tools that allow us to see what's going on and make decisions about it. Hmm. Credit cards have been struggling with this problem for decades as well, right? So they have a lot of runtime intelligence that they use and some decision making and some alerting. We need to do more of that. I think we also just need to get better. I think we need to kind of level up a little bit on the difference between identity and access control and Mm. make those a little bit more abstract and easier to replicate so that everybody doesn't have to invent their own every single time (laughs) it's like everyone has to invent the lock that's crazy let's get somebody who's good at making locks and uh, have them start to supply locks and 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 vaults and safes to lots of other people so I, i think that i think there are definitely lots and lots of opportunities but as you said it's an evergreen category. nobody went broke uh <laughs> underestimating the security of any particular organization's
0: uh, system. you know I've just this is one of this is my aha moment for the for the episode I think but your your description of sort of that immuno response mentality yeah. to security yeah. it's an yeah. exact parallel for things that we've seen in totally different areas right like yeah um you know. As you know, uh, Stephen Fishman and I are writing a book for IT Revolution on right. the patterns for innovation and digital strategy through uh, unbundling. You know, we'll be hopefully mm-hmm. talking about that more as the, as the season progresses. But the pattern that we're we're essentially saying, look, uh, you know, nobody can has a crystal ball, so it's mm-hmm. it's a, a fool's errand to try and predict the future completely and then march to yep. that drum right the, yep. the the best strategic weapon is to have as many options as you possibly have and, and be able to to pivot as quickly as possible to changing market conditions changing opportunities so that's similar right and and then the other mm-hmm. one maybe is more obvious is like the switch in operational mentalities in in IT environments from um you know meantime to to, to before failure versus meantime to recovery Right, where yes. Where, yes. Where for years it was, you know, we were gonna make an a, a system that won't fail. And then those systems become inherently complex, and when they fail, all of a sudden trying to get it back and running because it's always gonna fail. Uh always. It takes forever. So so I think that's a very interesting point to think about security engineering from the perspective of using the intelligence you have to detect when issues are Have taken place, I guess, Is you have to recover from that, but even better, are about to take place. And then reacting with force as opposed to some stuff that might might bring a lot of um, obstacles and pain in order to try and be impenetrable when somebody's going to get in at some point or at least try.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think one of the things we learned from the cloud age of computing, right, is resource on demand. We don't need all the servers running all year long just to handle the uh, U.S. uh, Christmas season, right? But when, when the Christmas season comes around, we need to ramp up. And I think the same thing goes for security as well. We don't need to build you know, a a brick outhouse for every single <laughs> server. But there may be times when we need a couple of those every once in a while. And it, it reminds me of, you know, Michael Nygaard's got this great book, Release It. It's mm-hmm. been around. I think it's in its second, maybe third edition now. It's been around for more than 10 years. And he's got a great line in there is, is you can't prevent bugs. You can only survive them. And mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing for security. Yep. Um, you You can't anticipate every single possibility and then, you know, code for it but you can survive them you can reduce the likelihood you can get a few steps ahead and that changes the arms race in a, in a very fundamental way and i would just say just to be totally you know the the uh, add the darkness to this i can bet that malign interests are already figuring out how they're going to use ai
0: to oh, increase yeah. their
1: attacks on security
0: unquestionably and uh and and i'm sure there's a lot in that so i think the lesson there just to wrap up on security um you can survive bugs that you catch in a brick outhouse i think was <laughs> yeah there out. you go that's right. <laughs> okay I, that's
1: a, I have a visual that's just really incredible
0: <laughs> okay so so, so we'll, we'll definitely be exploring house. exploring uh, uh you know that a lot of the a lot of uh, the dimensions there that we just mentioned on number 3 yep. api security Number four is something I would say is pretty can be pretty closely related to security, certainly to privacy. Uh, is around just the continual evolution of industry specs around APIs, regulations <laughs> around APIs, um, you know, the contractual implications of APIs. You know, this is something that um, you know we've seen open banking, you know, as it's, as it's unfolding in different regions in the world. Um, We've seen, uh, you know, other, other industries get on board. I mean, we've had lots of integration standards for industries in well, but, but for the most part, everyone's kind of of convalescing on the, on the web and different forms of (laughs) APIs. But I think this is a, uh, this is an area that I think, again, it's, it's a reflection of the maturing of the the API industry that we're just getting all these different uh, attention paid to this. And, and again, takes it sort of out of the technology weeds at least temporarily because it goes back in for implementation, but to, 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 to surface a lot of the real, just the reality that, you know, from, from an implementer standpoint, maybe APIs are about a developer coding to a spec and, and deploying some software that, that sends messages over the web, but, you know, in a much a much more significant scale. It's about the whole interconnectedness of the of yeah. society, whether it's in the economy or otherwise.
1: Yeah, I I, I totally agree. A few years ago, I, I said I thought the next really big leap in the API space would come at the at the integration, orchestration, interoperability level. That we would get much better at that. It has. Uh, I don't think I was. Uh, I I did a very good job in that prediction, because I don't think we're quite where I thought we would be, but that goes right to industry specifications. And I think one of the things that excites me is not only do we have open banking and PSD, but we have Accord for insurance and FIRE and HL7 for health mm-hmm. and um, all these other things. Uh, was it buy also a, a model for banking? We have mm-hmm. all these specifications that that are trying to get a handle on a particular domain whether it's insurance or health or finance or banking, which I think is a a really, really good sign. That is, to me, that's a combination of not just specification, but also regulation, uh, making sure people follow the same standards or the same patterns or the same rules. So I think we're going to see much more of that, which, like you say, I think that's a maturity situation, which makes lots Mm -hmm. and lots of sense to me. I think it's moving up the stack in terms of languages. I think we're going to see a lot more dsl type languages domain specific languages to solve particular problems ai just goes right into that space as well and i'll mm-hmm. tell you I, I i think ai is also going to push this idea of regulations more directly and make it more urgent whether it's the you know the you know national uh, uh, nuclear regulatory commission that we have in the united states you know you have mm-hmm. to be you have to be licensed and vetted and constantly audited just to play with this stuff. Or it's like, you know, you know, the FDA drug model where you got to prove its efficacy and that it doesn't harm people Mm -hmm. or just as simple as having an operator's license and an insurance policy before you're allowed to play on the road. We need to get better at figuring out where our APIs and our computer systems, all these things fall in this regulatory spectrum and get much better at that. I think if you had to buy insurance mm-hmm. for <laughs> services that you put on the web, that would change a lot. It might put a handful mm-hmm. of people in business, but I think it would change a lot about how we think about use and and create these services.
0: Yeah, c- completely. I I I think that there's and the fact that that these things sort of generally start regionally and or start in industry specific industry niches uh one thing i'm seeing is sort of a lot of borrowing happening so something yeah. will happen in the in these banking regulations over here people will pull it over here so i think that idea of graduating sp- specific regulations into more generic regulations mm-hmm. and seeing what's mm-hmm. common across the board is something that will need to happen and and uh i i, I know that uh our friend uh meddy medjui who's founder of api days series yeah. he's he's working on something around there really on terms of service which is everybody needs yep. it right and so yep. um yeah are well, interested to explore that uh this season as well and by the way um, coalescing is what i meant to yes, say. yes very good I, I didn't i didn't know if we we're gonna let that go and let,
1: see if that was just going to be an easter uh, egg for the listener to kind yeah, of find yes, out
0: but, yes I, maybe yeah. there are people convalescing on the web but let's there might be there, there are definitely people coalescing on the web <laughs> there might be i
1: i'm i'm so happy you did that uh because i would it's it's still been you know playing around in the back of my head this whole time so I feel a whole lot better. yeah uh, you know uh, let me let me just say one more thing on, on the regulation side which which mm. just hit me today just uh, in in my feed today mark andreessen who's been you know such a uh promulgator, you know, sort of like he, you know, a market maker kind of in Mm -hmm. the sense of making business market spaces has just released a a piece where he's talking about AI regulation. He's got this cute little metaphor about Baptists and bootleggers about (laughs) preachers who say we need something and things are going to happen poorly if they don't. And bootleggers, which say, yeah, but in the meantime, I've got a bunch of it in the back of my truck, that I'll sell you until they sort it all out and we're going to ha- we we've seen this before right this notion mm-hmm. of of people who have the right notion but don't seem to be armed well and the people who are more than ready to truck in the in the uh in the marketplace right now no matter what we've got to we've got to make sure we avoid that simplistic kind of either or right mm-hmm. yeah and and i think i think we've got enough examples in in the world to do that we just need we need some intelligence. We need some commitment from all through the organizations, all through the the market, all through the businesses, as well as uh, governments, to get us well targeted regulation. It's not a one size fits all model, just like everything else. And, uh, and I'm hoping
0: I'm hoping we get
1: to see that. Let's see what
0: happens. Yeah, and I think the the way we've seen it succeed is again going back to the point I made earlier. You have to show that there's alignment between the business interests mm-hmm. and the society's interests, And that's always the biggest, Absolutely. biggest challenge. So last trend, and we, we, we won't have a ton of time for this one, but I think this is the one that I find inspiring <laughs> is on this API experience podcast. We just, we like to sort of share the, uh, the unexpected. And, and I think, um, the, fi- the fifth trend is really APIs everywhere. Just, you yep. know, that we're going to be seeing, Cases of using APIs in places that you just never expected. And I think, you know, you've been spending some time recently on, on an interesting one, which shows just the diversity of the world of APIs.
1: Yeah. And and hopefully we'll get to dig into this more this season as well. Um, I agree with you 100%. I'm not seeing less APIs. I'm seeing more And one of the uh, projects I've been working on this year is actually for the UN's environmental program, Environmental Protection Program. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's a worldwide effort of hundreds, couple of hundred member nations trying to figure out how they can share information about ecosystems and water safety and air pollution and all sorts of things and uh, share them in API, share them in ways that they have access to data, they share their own data. And one of the challenges... um, directly uh, you know hitting this group is sure you've got 200 some uh nations who want to participate some of them are like the us or the uk where they've got mm-hmm. supercomputers and universities others are tiny islands where <laughs> they would be lucky to have somebody with a spreadsheet and a telephone line and everybody deserves access everybody deserves the same level of uh service and inter- interaction but it needs to be tuned so how do we deal with this notion of APIs everywhere? APIs everywhere means everyone mm-hmm. that needs access to this information, um, not just the haves, and you know, but also the, the people that are across the globe. So APIs everywhere is a fantastic sort of metaphor for making it available to anyone who needs it. And I've had some really
0: interesting experiences, and there are lots of other ones along the way. Yeah. And it's and it's it's one of those things that can help shift people's thinking and, and think about some of those areas that are a bit underserved. If you're assuming that your consumers or providers are, mm-hmm. you know, heavily equipped. All right. You just you know, what if what if they aren't? What if that's not possible? And then that might open up possibilities to even rethink some of those bigger bigger areas and deployments and just yeah. the whole, you know, some of the more important considerations given that
1: one one of the one of the things that uh is w- was discussed in this particular project i've been working on is sustainability why do i need that many computers that much electrical power in order to participate
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah <laughs> which is which is a great great point of view as well so there are lots of there's a wide variance in budget and resources and skills and scope and devotion of effort i mean there's all sorts of possibilities Throughout that space. And and this doesn't have to be as prosaic as planetary climate. There are lots of parts of any organization where, you know what, APIs are not a full-time job. Give me a spreadsheet <laughs> or a CSV file or a PDF or something is all I need to interact with. I don't have the same resources in this department that you have in that department. So I think having that notion of APIs are everywhere for everyone also means thinking just your own delivery and your own design within your own organization.
0: Yeah, completely. And again, going back to the that uneven distribution idea, which we've hit on a (laughs) few times. So there you go. Just to recap, our five API trends or API areas of interest that we see, um, with that we're going to explore in much more depth as we go through the API experience season. Back to the future is number one. The whole AI space, AI and APIs, is number two. API security. Number three, regulation and industry specifics, number four, and APIs everywhere, number five. Mike, it's go. it's so great to be back on the airwaves with you. Yeah. R- really enjoyed the conversation. Um I'm looking and, forward to it. Yeah. We'll be uh we'll be so if you if you're a inaugural listener of our podcast, we encourage you to please spread the word. In the meantime, we hope that you have enjoyed this API experience. And we look forward to providing you the next one soon. Bye for now.